Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. This is episode 56. We're the Nelsons, I'm Lynette, and today my husband Sean will be sharing an interview with Steph. Steph is a French adoptive dad, and in this episode he and Sean talk about his experience adopting his daughter. He talks about some of the differences between adoption here in the United States versus in France, and he talks about really the importance of taking care of and loving first parents, which I love. So we'll get right to it. I hope you love this episode. All right. Well, we are now on the podcast with Steph. Steph, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you. Um, could you just take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners? So yeah, basically, I'm Steph. I'm from, from France, as you can hear, and uh, I live right now in California, in Napa. I've been, um, I moved to France, from France to, to California five years ago with my wife, and we've been able to, to build our family through adoptions here um, in California. And I'm also a mathematician. I love music. I started my career as a cello teacher, and right now I'm a life coach. I'm coaching busy working dads and parents just to, to be able to be present, more present for their families. Awesome. Well, it's a pleasure to get to meet you. My undergrad was in music education and uh, I conduct community choir in our community. So I have a foot in the music world as well. I love it. All of our kids are taking lessons on piano or violin right now. And that's awesome. Yeah, but cello this, cello, this is the best instrument, right? I agree. I'm my eight-year-old who's doing violin. I'm like, we gotta get the, we gotta get this kid on cello. So, oh, cool. <laughs> well, um, you you mentioned that you've built your family through adoption. Can you tell us just a little bit about your experience with adoption and just share some of your story? Yeah. So everything started, I guess, in 2008 when I met my girlfriend, who she she will become my wife uh, eventually, a couple of years later. So during the second date, we started to talk about, hey, what about building a family together at some point? You know, we were crazy at that time. And we started to very quickly to talk about adoption, building our family uh, by adoption, basically. So we were in France, we were in college and very young and just wanted to dream about how to build uh, the perfect family for us. 10 years later, uh, we've been able to, to, to go here to in California and we had it was the perfect time for us um, to start building a family. And we started to look at how, how it looked like uh, the adoption process here in California. And we were so surprised to find um, the open adoption process. Uh, we didn't have to be American citizens. Uh, what was just required is just, hey, can you pay taxes basically here? Hey, can, can you <laughs> afford to live here in, in California? And that's it. And I mean, it was such a gift, such a, yeah, to, to be able to be here in California and to, to start building our family by adoption. Yeah, yeah. And specifically through open adoption, which is, yeah, maybe we'll talk a bit, a bit, a little bit about that, but uh, which is totally different from France. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we will talk about that. Um, so you decided that you wanted to build your family through adoption and... Yeah. All you have to be able to do is pay taxes in California and it works out. <laughs> so exactly. tell us, so after you made that decision, what were some of the, like, what was the timeline, maybe some of the feelings um, and experience that you had? So we, so just imagine you, you are, you are, you live in France, you moved to the U S 2017 and uh, I needed you to, to find a job. My, my wife, she had a great job here in the, in California. And we were thinking about building this, this family. And at some point I said, okay, I said to my wife, I found this open ad adoption agency. Uh, I got a, a workshop meeting for us planned on Saturday and we need to do, to do it. We need to move because we can't just think about it. So I took this, this workshop and we went there and the, doors, the door was closed. So my wife said, oh, well, I guess it's not open. So I said, no, no, we need to find a way to, to get to that building and to, to find out. And it find out it was not the main door, but, you know, a back door, whatever. And so we've been able to, to go there and to, it was the first step for us to, to be able to, to meet the community and to make it more concrete, I would say. And 
starting from from there, everything was super clean, super uh, organized within the agency. They took care. They took care of all of the questions and. Um, the main point was we've been able to, to meet other families, etc., to create connections and to have all the answers um, answered, basically, all the questions answers, basically. Um, so, yeah, the, the main point was just to take this first appointment and, yeah, just to take the first step, the baby step. Yeah. Yeah. So when you went that first time, had you already studied and learned a little bit about open adoption or were you introduced to open adoption when you went to that workshop? So no, we, we, we did our due diligence, I would say. So we knew uh, if we were able uh, to adopt a child and we, we, we knew a lot of, a lot of things through the, the website, but we didn't have this, we, we had a lot of fears, a lot of doubts. And with that human connection, it's very hard to, to make it concrete or actionable. Uh, so we were stuck in this kind of fear mode, I would say. And but when you meet um, the agency and other families and birth moms as well, testimonials from birth moms, uh, I think that it was the turning point for us to say, okay, let's do it, and just to commit to to create this family by, by adoption. Yeah, awesome. So it, yeah, yeah. So you went through that process. You got approved through the adoption agency. And then what, what, um, how long was it before you were matched with so, an expectant mother? Yeah, it took us roughly two and a five, yeah, two, two and a half years, yeah, to be, to be matched. So from beginning of 2018 to April, 2020. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, this is weird because you, there is a first rush, you prepare everything during six months, you, you connect, you prepare, you know, the, all the papers, etc. And after that, for two years, you don't hear anything, right? So it's Nothing. just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of, okay, what's going on now? Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a process. So um, how did you find out that you had been selected? Did the agency let you know that somebody was considering you or did an expectant mother reach out to you directly? Or how, how, did, how did that process work for your situation? Uh, yeah, yeah, great question. So basically we were in close contact with the, the, the agency and we received a text saying, hey, you have a, you've been matched. Would you be available in one hour to, to set up a call with the, the birth mom? And we were, okay, let's do it. So it was very, very um very short in time uh so we received one text and then when one hour later we were you know um in a conversation with the birth mom and oh my god it was very very intense emotionally she was so mature and we were not prepared because for us we just learned that we've been matched for you know one hour but for her she she's been through our profile and she thought about us for roughly two months so she was very, very prepared in her head and in our heads, it was like very, very intense, very, very quick. Um, so yeah, we've been matching there. I can't, I can't, I don't have words to describe this first conversation, but we were so touched by her maturity, the way that she, she thought about life and our family. And we realized that me and my wife, we, we were a complete reflection of her values and her dreams, etc. It was, yeah, very intense. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's one aspect that we haven't really talked a lot about on the podcast. Sometimes expectant mothers, because of a profile that we have or social media that, that people can look at, often know a lot about the couple that they're considering and we know very little or nothing at all during that first meeting. And uh, that can be quite intense. I think you shared that really well. Yeah. And she said right, right off the bat, um, yeah, so are you ready to be the parents of uh, your, your daughter? And we were just like, you know, after five minutes of conversation, we were like, okay, so this is a girl. Yeah, 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 it's a girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we were just, okay, uh, is, it, is it for real? And I mean, yeah, this is the kind of thing that you need to expect after just five minutes of conversation to be completely overwhelmed uh, emotionally and just to learn that, yeah, you will have a daughter. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, 
that was very, and, oh yeah, something very, very, very powerful. It's in her mind, it was so clear that she wanted us as four parents, yeah, for, for her daughter, basically. Yeah. And yeah, you, you can't describe that. Yeah. 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 yeah, there are very little words that you could use to express the feelings of that moment where you realize that somebody else is choosing you to be the parent of their child. Um, yeah. A lot of emotions. Um, wow. So you made that initial connection from then. Uh, what was the timeline like until your daughter was born? So it was April, beginning of April, and the daughter, my daughter was born in beginning of June, so three months roughly. Um, and we've been able to, to meet the, um, the birth mom every two, two weeks, I would say. Um, so we were driving, she, she's living in South uh, California and we live in North California. So we were driving, you know, a couple, couple of times per month and to be there for at the hospital for the, the exams, etc. And yeah, just to, to spend time with her and yeah to get to know her. Um, and after that, yeah, we received a call. Hey, uh, I have to go to the hospital. Um, yeah, I think uh, the baby is on its way. So, and it's, it has been very, yeah, uh, sudden, I would say. Uh, so we took the car and drove to, to South California just to, to be at the hospital. And yeah, the Emma was born yeah, the day after that. So, wow. yeah. We, we have a very similar timeline with our youngest child. So we were matched with his birth parents in March of 2020, and he was born in June of 2020. Okay. Um, so I had a question around that. So this was all happening during the pandemic. Um, what, what restrictions were in place or how did the pandemic maybe influence or impact any of the relationship that you had or, or did it? So... Yeah, so basically, the, um, just before the the the, uh, the baby was delivered, I don't know how. Yeah, so before that, the, the the three months that we were creating connection with the birth mom, it was there, there, there was no impact. I mean, uh, we were able to see her and and, and etc. Uh, and at the hospital, uh, it it has been told that during the delivery, I couldn't be there. So just one person uh, could be there to support the, the birth mom during the, the delivery. So uh, the birth mom chose my wife as uh, someone to support her, basically. And uh, so that's what the, the main restriction. So I couldn't be there for, for the delivery. And um, the hospital said I, I had to wait until uh, three days, three days uh, later uh, to see the baby. So I couldn't go to the hospital at all. It turns out it turned out that I've been able to to go to the hospital just after the delivery because there there really some restrictions. So, but initially the plan was for me to wait at the hotel for three days and I couldn't do anything. Um, but yeah, I've been able to to go to the hospital eight hours later after the delivery. That's great. Um, so that, that was a great surprise. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, we're gonna we're, we have a lot of questions for you um, about well a lot of different things. So we'll just jump in. Um, I, you mentioned, and obviously, you're from France. And did you and your wife consider adoption before you moved to the United States? So yeah, we've we've started to look at it, uh, but it was not um, very clear in our mind that was that was the the good time. At, so in 2015, 16, uh, we were talking about building a family uh, by adoption. And in France, it's, it's very, very complicated. Um, you don't have the, the open adoption process, um, just like in the US. So yeah, we were considering it, but it was, there is a lot of blockers, I would say. Yeah. So it was not straightforward. And maybe we were, we were not ready at that time as well. Um, yeah. We have, we have quite a few listeners in Europe and many listeners here in the United States. Could you help maybe, from what you know at least, maybe compare and contrast what adoption looks like in, in France versus what it looks like here or at least in California? Yeah, so yeah, this is such an interesting topic. In France, basically, the main question is um, 
do you break the origin uh, original affiliation with um, the, the birth the birth parents? And everything is done just to keep the um, the biological link, whatever happens. Okay, so. There is kind of two types of adoptions in, in France. One is maybe your brother and her, uh, his partner just die and you want to take care of your nephews, basically. So there is this kind of adoption where you keep the, the, the family within the family. So it's very straightforward. And then there is another adoption, uh, which is close adoption, where if you are a birth mom and you deliver and you need to, to wait two months to, to revoke all your rights, and the baby is put under the control of an agency, and then the agency do the match uh, with the, the parents. So basically the difference is there is no open adoption in France, and it is very, the, the, the match and all the system is, is, is done by the, the French government, basically. So you lose, uh, yeah, compared to the US, you lose this uh, ability for the birth mom to really choose, yeah, the, the family or yeah. to express her, you know, values, etc. Um, so there is pros and cons. Uh, I'm sure that there is a lot of reasons why open adoption is not uh, developed in France. Um, but from my perspective, it has been such a, an amazing experience to be able to, to to build a family through open adoption. I, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I don't understand why, but yeah. It sounds, at least to me, it sounds a little bit kind of like the foster care system in the United States, where if the state takes custody of a child, they they have this thought of biology is best. They want to try to keep the child within the family when possible. And then if not here in the U.S., then they can place a baby in a different home until the situation is better or an adoption can take place and that could open to an open adoption, but it sounds like it's pretty cut and dry in France that either it's a closed mm -hmm. adoption two months after baby's born relinquishment can happen. Um, and then there's no ties or connection. Is that sound about right? Yeah, this, the, yeah, this is exactly that. Yeah. And yeah, you, you lose, you lose the, the affiliation, you lose the, uh, you, you can't retrieve any information from the, the birth mom, which is, you know, it can be painful in the way that I, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not an adoptee, so I, I yeah. can't tell. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you made this initial connection with your, um, your daughter's birth mother. Uh, you've kind of developed this relationship over time. How would you explain that relationship to somebody who knows nothing about adoption? Yeah. So the way I see it, so I'm, I'm a creative mind. So I will use what, one, one thing that I have in my mind right now is like an impressionist painting, like Monet, when you look at a painting like that, you, you have the intensity, you have the emotion, but you need to, to put some colors into the painting to get the full picture. So there's a little bit of blue, a little bit of dark, whatever. Uh, so the intensity is there, the connection, when you connect with the birth mom, after 10 seconds, you are connected. I mean, this is, this is so intense. And after that, through time, you know, you, you paint the picture, the full picture, and you bring colors to it, and you ask questions, and, and very carefully with a lot of caring and structure and support, because we've been, we've been helped with the social services as well, you know, uh, just to create also the just at the beginning to, to be sure to be comfortable and to have the right structure to ask the, the right questions etc yeah um, but so this is the way i see it. the birth mom will choose you and she's doing all the hard work you know in terms of connecting with you choosing you creating this connection, wanted to, to have her child uh, being raised in, in, in a loving and caring family. She's doing all the, the, the heavy lift. Um, so you don't have to, to be scared or whatever. You, you will meet someone extraordinary with a lot of strengths that will, yeah, that will teach you a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, this is how I will describe it. 
What are some of the things that you and your wife have done to strengthen your relationship or make that relationship more meaningful? You're coming up on two years of having this child that entered your family and she entered your family at the same time, right? Or I guess a little even before. What what type of things do you do on a normal basis to foster that connection? So there is first, uh, from day one, from the first conversation, everything has been created from the, the intensity of love and what we wanted to share in common for, for Emma, for, for my daughter. Okay, so that was the first initial moment. Uh, the intensity of the emotion, I think it's a good anchor, anchor for the relationship. And after that, we've been able to, to share pictures um, with the breast mom, basically. So this is something that she, so we ask, hey, what would you love uh, us to, to do just to, to keep the connection? And we created a, an agreement with her. Um, and everything was very detailed, very simple, but very detailed. And um, we stick to it basically. So sending pictures and we are able to see the birth mom um, twice a year. Um, and it's always a good time, you know, to, to connect with, with the birth mom and to spend time with her. and. Um, yeah, just to enjoy being together. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is so powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. How frequently would you say that you send pictures or that you're texting or connecting with each other at this point? Yeah, it's so every time that something happens, when when we go to the park or just to 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 go to some new attractions, we we send pictures. Um, I would say we send five, six pictures per month uh, every two weeks. Uh, yeah. yeah, and that's it. And sometimes yeah, we just text and say, we put a comment under the, the picture and she will reply maybe two weeks or three weeks later. So in our conversations before we connected on the podcast, you mentioned that it was really important for you to give support to your daughter's birth mother from the very beginning and that you decided to hire a doula to work with her. Can you tell us maybe how you came to that decision and then how that benefited her? Yeah. So um, basically the, the adoption agency told us, hey, that would be great given her circumstances that uh, maybe you can think about uh, hire, hire, to hire a doula basically for her. And, but I didn't, so my wife took uh, the initiative to hire a doula and to do all the process. I didn't notice very well that it was important, but my, my wife said, okay, we need to do that just to support her. Um, and it, it, was, it was so great to, to be able to have a doula um, because we, we were not very, it was not easy for us just to, to we, are, we are living eight hours away, right? So it's not easy for us to, to provide support for, for the birth mom and but we wanted her to to know uh, what was the what she had to expect during the at the hospital basically or just to know the, the basics um, and to have a presence to have someone she can talk to uh, frequently so we had a contract with the doula saying hey you have unlimited budget just to, to take care of the birth mom and if she reached out to to you and saying hey i need to talk just go i mean go figure it out um that was yeah we, we during yeah also during the, the pandemic she was very very freaked out about yeah her health basically and uh we didn't know what covid was uh, at that time so yeah we we, we wanted to have someone who was able to yeah, communicate the right level of information as well that's uh, great regarding COVID. Uh, yeah so yeah at the whole process yeah. I mean, we, we definitely are huge advocates of providing support to expectant parents. And I think that is one way uh, that, that we could do that, right? You're eight hours away. You can lend, you know, you can connect, you can talk, but being together physically um, and having, well, being together physically is probably a challenge being that far apart, but having someone there that uh, knows what she's going through to some extent um, and can provide additional support. That was really, really sweet of you guys to provide. It's great. Yeah, and, and also it has been, so it, 
it was a chance for my wife, the doula and the birth mom to spend time together. Uh, so she, they spent one afternoon together just to, you know, to, to do some exercises. And I don't know, they never told me what they, they've done. <laughs> I don't know, but I think it was a great preparation for, for the, the daily delivery. And then uh, when the baby was born, there were also the doula present with my wife during the delivery. And I think it was great uh, for the birth mom to, to, to have these kind of um, figures, uh, stable figures. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it was also emotionally, um, psychologically, it was great to have the doula as well. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So many of the people that listen to this podcast are hoping to adopt someday. Uh, what advice would you give um, to them in as, as they start this process, maybe particularly around building relationships with expectant parents? So sometimes you don't have the, the time to create the relationship. You know, you, you learn that the, the baby is born and you have to go to the hospital and, and we have one, one family, it has been like that. So they, they knew that there were parents to two hours before the baby was born. So, I mean, sometimes you don't have time to create the relationship. Right. Uh, um, and sometimes, yeah, the birth mom doesn't want that as well to create a relationship. So, yeah. But if you have the opportunity, just go with the flow and talk about basic stuff, uh, trying to create small agreements. Uh, from from that perspective and from a man's perspective, etc., I was a little bit scared about talking, you know, asking private questions or to, to the birth mom, but she, she, she said, yeah, you can ask any questions and I will answer any questions and blah, blah, blah. So my advice with relationship is always, yeah, be connect to, to your heart and just ask questions and see where it goes. Yeah. And if you don't know, just ask the social services or if you have a structure, just ask. And you can't get it wrong from my perspective uh, as far as you... you so we had, okay, yeah, maybe one thing. We had this um, mindset mindset of, we are here to take care of the birth mom first. And even at the hospital, we are here to take care of the, the baby as if we are just babysitting, right? We are just here to, to provide care and a structure uh, to the birth mom and uh, this child. And after, after that, the birth mom will decide whether or not uh, we will become parents, right? So our only job is just to be sure that we are providing support and care and structure, um, and that's it. So yeah, it's one step at a time, I would say. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like a lot of things that you said. So um, the, the more communication that we can have and the more open and honest we are, the better it's going to be. Help them get to know the real us, right? Um, we all have flaws. We all have things that aren't perfect. Um, and we can't hide those. Uh, obviously, we don't have to go and just tell everybody all the bad things about us, right? But be, just being genuine, being ourselves and and asking lots of questions to get to know each other, I think that's a really, really good recommendation. And then I also really liked what you just said, where going to the hospital, you have to have the mindset of maybe this will be my child and maybe not. The, the rights of this expectant mother are completely hers to make the decision. And after that sweet baby is born, perhaps she changes her mind. And we have to be, as hard as that is, we have to be okay with that um, and support the decision that she makes. Yeah. And I think it, it will speak, maybe you, you, you had this experience as well, but this for us, for our family, this is why we wanted to create our family uh, through adoption is to be able to be present for, yeah, for a baby, for someone else. And with open adoption, we are able to be present not only for a child, but also for the birth mom, which is, yeah, which is awesome. I mean, yeah. and we are coming from that place. Um, yeah. And I mean, of course, every relationship is going to look a little bit different. Um, I know we, we share our story and all of our children's birth parents live relatively close to us. Actually, one just moved 
across the country, but we still stay pretty connected and we have them over for birthday parties and it's just part of our family culture, but it, it looks a little bit different for everyone. And you kind of have to find the right balance for you and your family and for them as well, because life, life continues for everybody after this, this baby joins all of our family. So I, I like that thought to just kind of go with the flow and realize that it's not going to look exactly like somebody else's experience. It's been two years. What do you wish you had known in the beginning that you know now? I think I was so scared. As I said at the beginning, the careful thinking is, is often, yeah, in, in the way. Uh, I think rely to connect you to your heart and rely on, on your emotions and your ability to create connections with other human beings. Uh, you just need that, honestly. You just need this little amount of love of, I care about a human being. I care about myself. If, if you are able to care about yourself, well, that's it. I mean, I was, so I'm an engineer, I'm a mathematician. I love making a lot of abstract concepts and whatever in my mind, but it's, you don't need that. Uh, you just need to connect to your heart and why you are doing it. And yeah, go with the flow and take one step at a time. Um, and when in, when in doubt, just be in conversation with your partner. If you have a partner, if you are doing it uh, that alone, reach out to the agency, or if you are doing that uh, completely alone with a lawyer, reach out to anyone else that can, you know, you, you can share your thoughts and your, scare, uh, your fears. It's, it's, it's totally normal to, to, to have fears. Um, but connecting with other stories, other parents, um, that's super important. Listening to your podcast, I mean, yeah, that's a great advice <laughs> to listen to, to your podcast. Um, yeah. Right. Don't let the fear, don't let the fear be in the way of, of what you want for, for your family and how you want to, to build your family. Yeah. I, lo I love that thought. I, I'm trying to think back to some of the feelings that we had when we were starting this for the first time. And there was a lot of fear, <laughs> um, not knowing what that relationship would look like, not knowing really what anything would really like how it would really happen, but just trusting in the process, uh, making sure to connect with each other as a couple or with family members or friends that you could kind of talk with and express your emotions. Um, and eventually things will all work out. And I, I love your, your advice to just focus on being able to connect with people and build relationships. Um, and so maybe, maybe the advice could be to some people who are listening that are considering adoption to make sure that uh, you can connect with strangers and individuals in meaningful ways that, uh, that you can show interest and sincerity so that when you do connect with the right person, and maybe you have two months to prepare, or maybe you have two hours to prepare, um, that whatever that timeline looks like, we're able to connect in good, important, meaningful ways. Yeah. And even if you are scared, scared, uh, just connect. Yeah, it, it doesn't, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think being in the flow and in conversations, having uh, conversations, I think it's, it's, it's the key, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and in talking to some of our children's birth parents, they were scared too to meet us. And I, I remember once saying, I didn't know if you guys would like me. And immediately we were family and immediately we were friends. And I think we both sides um, have some of those feelings, but don't be afraid. Just even if you are, make the connection it, it's going to be okay yeah so pause the listening go find a, a workshop right now uh, an event you can you can attend to uh and yeah just book something in your calendar if you are thinking about adoption 
and do it right now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, that's yeah. super wise. So I, I keep thinking, I keep thinking about um, what the culture of adoption is in different places and different countries. I know even in the U.S., there are kind of some different opinions and different feel about uh, what adoption is. Um, how would you say the the community's perception of adoption is different? um in france and here i know we talked about some of the logistics but what about the community feel yeah so i have a, a my own perspective right um i don't know what is the the french perception um i don't have a lot of connection with the, the i would say the, the, the adoption community in france okay so i can just talk about my experience with my family and friends etc yeah. there uh, but they were super receptive. So that, that there was um, some fear as well from my family. Hey, uh, what are you doing? You you won't know the, the birth mom and she will be part of your family. And if, uh, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if she is a bad person? And what if, blah, 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 she will be in your family and there is nothing that you can do. And I say, yeah, you are already part of my family. Hey, sister, you are already part of my family. So <laughs> don't be scared. <laughs> anyway, I suggest just just a joke for, for my older sister. But yeah, it's is that there was this this um, protection, the feeling of protection from my family, from from a part of my family. Hey, I don't, I want you to, to be really, really sure that you will have to deal with a birth mom. You don't have to deal with the birth the birth mom. Not at all. Uh, so after you know a few months, when we 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 had our daughter, all the the, the bad feelings or thoughts were were gone forever. So this is not the point. Don't, don't let the the judgmental thoughts from your family or whatever um, pollute your relationship or your desire or your dream. Regarding the perception. Um, I can't think of that's good. Yeah. 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 I I just wondered, uh, and I think I think the best way that you described it was talking about friends and family because that's how that's like your perception, your real life experience. Um, I just wondered if some of the perceptions might be different, but the the thing that you explained with your experience with your family is the same exact experience I had with my family, with the same doubts and concerns, and what if, and what if. Um, it seemed very similar. Yeah. And after that, there is, you know, uh, I grew up in very religious community. So there is more concern about, you know, the religious side. Uh, but this is, this is not uh, a cultural perspective. This is more about, yeah, how, you, how you've been raised and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I, I think adoption overall, I would say, I would tend to say it's it's more about how you've been raised and what is your your perception of what a family is and how you build a family. Uh, yeah, I think this is the main driver. Um, and yeah. I think that's one beautiful thing about open adoption too, where expected parents get to pick the, the family that they place with. And so they find values and similarities that align. Um, and most of the time, uh, they're going to pick someone similar to them uh, as far as values or beliefs or things that they, they want their child to have. Um, and so there are some commonalities or things that can create connection right off the bat because, because of that open adoption um, option for the expect parents to pick or choose the family that they're placing with. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And yeah, this is this is the, the main point of this is why you want to have an open adoption, right? It's just to, to be able to connect from someone who shared the, the so who chose you basically. Um, yeah, and That's there's powerful. yeah, it's it's very powerful, and there's nothing else like it where you meet someone for a few minutes and then decide you're going to be part of each other's lives forever. It's yeah. compared it to going on a first date and proposing at the end of the date. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. If you love, if you love that kind of risk, uh, do it. Um, 
<laughs> I can't yeah. think of any other comparison that like fits. But um, Steph, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges facing the adoption community, or at least the community that you're part of? So yeah, I, I really right right now. So I don't want to be too political here, but there is this kind of. Uh, the ripple effect of the, the abortion ban that is happening in the US. So from a French perspective, I don't understand what is happening with this country, uh, with the abortion rights, etc. So, okay, I think it's, uh, I think they, they will have a ripple effect uh, about women not being able to have access to, to, to care or to, yeah, this is, I don't, this is just a feeling. I don't know how to, to explain it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's a good thought or not. No, I, I, just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right that the overturn of Roe versus Wade has a, a lot of effects, not specifically on like, oh, there's going to be a lot more adoptions, but maybe the feel toward adoption may shift and change like, well, this is my only option now, so that's what I'm going to do. Where in the past there's been a little bit more choice involved, there are definitely going to be ripple effects. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, it it's is hard. It's really hard. Yeah, another point on the, <laughs> I, I, I I'm thinking about something around um, what do you do when you are waiting for to be matched, basically. So we had two years uh, before being matched. And I think the, there's something that you, you can do as well is we should have done more uh, uh, right now. So what I'm trying to say is instead of just waiting for your baby or just to be matched, maybe you can participate to other programs like foster programs or this kind of stuff. Uh, this is something that we're considering uh, with my wife just to, be, to, become, to become a foster family um so maybe at that time we're not ready as well but there is also other ways for for us you know to take care of babies or a child that that need help basically yeah um, yeah so and from yeah. the we've done several interviews with uh, foster parents and from what i've learned from them i think that fostering can really help people prepare to have good relationships with people that they maybe not would maybe would not naturally have a relationship with, um, but you learn to love and have compassion for and connect with people in really, really meaningful ways and support people going through really difficult things. Um, so I, I, I really like that thought that that, that can yeah. be really beneficial. I'm, I'm not sure we were ready to, to, to become, um, yeah, to be a foster family in 2000 and, uh, 18. Yeah. Um, I think now we, with the experience of having a baby and being more, you know, mature, I would say, uh, I think it might be the right time, but yeah, again, a lot of, <laughs> of fears and a lot of doubts uh, regarding this be, being a, becoming a foster family, right? But it has to feel right in your heart. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah this is what I, I wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. What do you think that the adoption community, those hoping to adopt or those that have adopted can do to better support birth parents or birth families? So for us, it has been connecting with the birth family, with, with the doula uh, before the pregnancy, uh, before the, the delivery, et cetera. I think it's it's great. But I think the the doula, the, the, the doula network is, is growing, uh, expanding as well in, in California. And I think it's a good way. Um, to support the, the birth mom. How do you think we can better support our children or those that have been adopted? Yeah, uh, this is a question that, that I have in my mind as well. We, we are talking a lot about um, adoption at home with through books and stories. And we, 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 are, we have this, this relationship with, with the, the birth mom. Uh, and so our daughter, she she's seeing a lot of photos. She she knows we we were talking all the time about this this story, her story. Um, I think more generally, 
do what you can to, to connect with the local families. Uh, we are connected with, here in Napa with uh, families that has been through adoption as well. Just connect with families, uh, just, just to create the link with other um, child that has been adopted as well. Yeah, I think this is a very simple way. Just, just, just to create one or two, just meet one or two families, and that's it. I think that that would be my advice, and nothing fancy. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point too, you have a child, a two-year-old. I think that the way you're approaching it, like talking about it regularly in our homes, helping them understand that that it's their reality, and helping them eventually be okay with whatever emotions they have around being adopted. And then making sure that they're part of a community where they're connecting with other adoptees um, and understand that for a lot of other people, that's their normal. That's their, that's the way their family was created and it's happening for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. I love what you said. Yeah. I love it. Um, anything else that you you want to talk about knowing our audience again we have expectant parents we have birth parents we have hopeful adoptive parents we have adoptive parents er, adoptees everybody listening right what what else might you share or what else is kind of the message that you would share so yeah I'm also working with busy working dads and parents etc and uh, I just had the chance to, to be raised in, in a very um, great family. I had a lot of siblings and I, I had a very present dad and present mom, et cetera, a strong community as well. And through adoption, I think we, we really know what, it, what it's like to, to build our family through choice and to nurture relationships and to create connection, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think it's a chance. It's, it's a gift that we have. What does it mean to build your family? What's your, what's your perception about building a family? How do you want to talk about it? Uh, and what do you want to do every day for, for it, for, for your family? This is a kind of question that I have in my mind all the time. Uh, and I'm living from those questions. Um, when you listen to that podcast, you have you think about someone, maybe your brother, it might be you know someone in your family. You want just to share a nice word, uh, just write a letter or, or just send a text, um, just to connect and to say I love you. My son silly, but this is the only thought that I have. That that, I have. No, it's I I don't think it's silly at all. I think that building relationships in meaningful, natural ways is. What I think for me personally, one of my biggest reasons and purposes here in this life, right? Uh, to connect with others in, and lift people and love people. And I, I really like what you said, like adoption is really intentionally building a family and it doesn't just happen by chance. Usually uh, it takes work and preparation and, um, wherever we are in the process to be able to kind of just stop and think like, what am I doing to nurture and build this family? Um, and what maybe can I do right now to make it even better? I think those are great things to consider. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, Steph, thank you so much. Any, any last thoughts before we finish up? I think we, we, we did a, a pretty good job, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being willing to be on the podcast. We really, really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Steph, for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. I really loved in this episode how... Steph talked about how he and his wife found ways to support their daughter's first mom, how they decided for their situation, they'd get her a doula as a support, which is something I had never heard before, right? But I thought that was really cool, just trying to think what's going to help in your situation, right? What's going to help the person that you want to be helping? 
to create these relationships. And I think that's so important when you're focused on serving the person that you love and care about, it's going to strengthen that relationship ultimately anyway. And I just thought that was great wisdom. One thing that he said that really stood out to me was just having a community um, among adoption or adoptees so that uh, children can have friends or relate with some of their peers. Um, It's also really nice as adoptive parents to have that type of support group as well. Um, And ultimately doing all of that to support the adoptee as they're growing up. I really liked that. Yeah. And I also really liked how he talked about the importance of just connecting with people. That's kind of been a theme for this season of the podcast, which I love. We've talked about the importance of making connections and strengthening those connections with all of our episodes so far. Yeah, I really like he's like, you know what, just call a family member and connect with them or reconnect with them and work on building your relationships because ultimately, in his words, that's what matters most. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that's really wise. Awesome. Well, again, we're so grateful for Steph and for his willingness to share with us. Yeah, we're going to be back in two weeks with another episode. And I'm very excited about it. I'm always excited about our episodes. We just really appreciate the people who help us out and interview with us. We'll be talking with Sarah. She is a Chinese-born adoptee who was raised in the United States. And she is amazing and works with adopted teenagers and helps them work through different feelings. And she's just... So fantastic. So really excited to share some of her thoughts, especially on working with teen adoptees. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Open Adoption Project. Mm -hmm.